Welcome to the Nourish Gut Podcast, the go-to place for all things gut health. I'm Carly Raven, your gut health naturopath and nutritionist, here to guide you on a journey towards a happier, healthier digestive system. Are you tired of feeling bloated, battling with unpredictable digestion or fearing every meal? Well, you're in the right place. Each week we dive into the world of gut health, breaking down the complexities and uncovering practical strategies to help you and your digestive system thrive. I know firsthand the challenges of dealing with conditions like SIBO and IBS, and that's why I'm here to share expert insights, debunk myths, and bring you interviews with leading experts in the field. Whether you're a practitioner looking for effective clinical solutions or an individual seeking relief from digestive symptoms, you're not alone on this journey. So grab your favorite kombucha or a herbal tea, sit back, and let's dive deep into the world of gut health. Hello, and welcome back to the Nourish Gut Podcast. I'm Bernadette Field-Dodgson. I'm Carly Raven's Associate Naturopath. And in today's episode, we are going to iron out the link between IBS, SIBO, gut health issues, and iron deficiency. Now, iron deficiency is common in people with gut health conditions. I estimate that around a third of the patients that I see in the Nourish Gut Clinic have a current or have previously struggled with low iron levels. Now, having low iron stores in the body can make you feel really cruddy. Symptoms of low iron can include fatigue, weakness, shortness of breath, pale skin, um, pale inside of the eyelids and pale fingernails, headaches and poor concentration. I'm going to stay this straight up and I'll probably repeat myself in this podcast. If you think that you have an iron deficiency, do not start an iron supplement based on these symptoms alone. Iron can be harmful if you get too much. In healthy people, taking high doses of iron supplements, especially on an empty stomach, can cause gut upset symptoms, constipation, nausea, abdominal pain, vomiting and diarrhea. So as we will discuss, low iron may be related to some gut conditions, but taking too much of the wrong forms of iron can also cause gut symptoms. Large amounts of iron might also cause some more serious side effects, including inflammation of the stomach lining and even ulcers. High doses of iron can also decrease zinc absorption. And some people have an inherited condition called hemochromatosis that causes toxic levels of iron to build up in their bodies. Without medical treatment, people with um, hereditary hemochromatosis can develop some serious problems such as liver cirrhosis, liver cancer and heart disease. So we want to have a really good view of your iron status via an iron studies blood test before we will consider supplementing with iron. So if you have low iron, does that mean that you are anemic? Well, there are three stages of iron deficiency. The first is iron depletion, when your hemoglobin or your red blood cell levels are normal, but your body only has a small amount of stored iron, which in a blood test is called your ferritin, which will soon run out. In blood tests, low iron is defined as ferritin, as less than 30 by most labs. Um, some people I find will show some deficiency signs even when 
ferritin is in the 30s. Some people will still have some headaches, some fatigue. Um, so the level at which people will show iron deficiency signs can vary from person to person. Iron deficiency is the next stage of um, iron depletion. And when you're stored and your blood-borne iron levels are low, this is when your haemoglobin has start, started to drop below normal. And this is when you can get some more symptoms, some tiredness. And some people even have these symptoms at haemoglobin levels that are still considered normal. So it, for women in the 110s or the 120s or for men in the 120s and 130s. And the last stage is iron deficiency anemia, when your haemoglobin levels are so low that your blood is unable to deliver oxygen to your cells. So symptoms um, include the more extreme end of looking very pale, being quite breathless, being dizzy, very, very fatigued. People with iron deficiency anemia also have reduced immune function, so they're more vulnerable to infections. Okay, so what causes low iron in general? And we'll talk a little bit generally first before we get really gut specific. So the obvious cause that a lot of people might think about is not getting enough iron in your diet. Um, so we know that vegetarians and vegans are at higher risk of an iron deficiency because there are not as many high iron sources in vegetarian foods such as your red meat and oysters, but also because all vegetarian forms of iron is in a non-heme form, which is absorbed more poorly than the heme form, which comes from animal sources only. Having said that, I have seen and met and know many vegetarians who have been able to maintain healthy iron stores. I think though, as a vegetarian or vegan, it always has to be in your mind in every single meal, snack, um, everything that you eat through the day to, to reach for these high iron sources. So your recommended daily intake of iron for, we see a lot of um, women in our clinic, so menstruating women need 18 milligrams of iron per day, whereas an adult male needs about eight milligrams of iron per day. And some people think that if you eat a lot of red meat, or even if you just eat red meat a few times a, a week, that you'll be meeting your iron needs. A serving size of beef contains 3.3 milligrams of iron. And if you think about a menstruating woman's need of 18 milligrams of iron, that's, that's only making up a small portion of what you'll need in one day. So... If you were a menstruating woman needing 18 milligrams of iron and say you do have a 100 gram serving of beef, which will give you that 3.3 milligrams of iron to make up enough iron for the day. And the RDA also is to maintain your iron stores. It's not actually to build up iron stores when they're low. To make up enough iron, you could also include... 100 grams of chickpeas, which gives you 6.2 milligrams of iron. Yes, that's twice the amount of iron that's in beef, although that will be less well absorbed because it's a vegetarian source. One cup of quinoa, which will give you 2.8 milligrams of iron. Half a cup of cooked spinach gives you 2.2 milligrams of iron. Pine nuts, so two or three tablespoons or 50 grams, will give you two milligrams of iron. And half a cup of green beans, 
which will give you one milligram of iron. And to make it up to the 18 milligrams, we'll chuck in a small potato, which will be 0.5 milligrams of iron. So this is choosing high iron grains, nuts and vegetables to make these examples. There are apps um, with which you can track your iron consumption. One example is called Chronometer. And I like this one because there's an option to track nutrition in the app without tracking calories because we have some patients with eating disorder-like behaviour and can find calories and weight sort of information in an app like this to be quite triggering. If there's no calorie concern, however, I do like to know that my gut health patients are getting enough calories. Not only is it important to meet um, energy levels, but also the chances of my patients getting enough nutrients overall are going to be a lot higher when they're getting enough calories. And simply eating enough can help to trigger normal gut motility. This is an aside from iron and foods, but getting Good nutrition from all the nutrients is important for gut health, both to address deficiencies that can be related to malabsorptions. We'll talk a little bit more about that soon. But also to fix underlying causes. For example, if you have poor iron absorption because of having low stomach acid levels, getting enough nutrition such as plenty of zinc, which is needed for stomach acid production, will help to address the underlying causes of both the low iron and gut health issues. So just another reason to ensure an overall nutritious diet. And you could track a range of nutrients like this over the course of a few weeks on your regular diet on a tracking app like the Chronometer one. So back to iron and foods. Vitamin C and heme iron in the same meal as iron-rich foods can both improve absorption of non-heme iron. So if you eat meat and you're trying to optimize your iron stores, you could eat a small amount of meat across multiple meals rather than eating all of your meat for the day in one meal to increase iron absorption at those other meals. Vitamin C rich foods that you could include in meals to enhance iron absorption include citrus fruits, tomatoes, berries, kiwi fruit, and capsicum. Foods that can hinder iron absorption include tea, coffee, red wine, chocolate, as well as calcium-rich foods such as milk and cheese. To ensure that you're getting the most iron from your food, drink these beverages in between meals rather than with meals. Hello, this is just a quick break from today's episode because I have a game changer for all healthcare practitioners out there and it's my SIBO Food Roadmap and Practitioner Training. Elevate your practice with this comprehensive program designed exclusively for practitioners passionate like you, aiming to make a profound effect on your clients' lives through their diet and successful IBS and SIBO treatment. Unlock the power of my dietary therapy, the Six Age System, guiding your clients through their SIBO treatment journey. Say goodbye to confusion. This roadmap provides clear dietary protocols, ensuring optimal results and long-term relief. Gain access to the full training, invaluable resources, a detailed guide, a recipe book with over 70 plus detailed SIBO-friendly recipes and four weeks worth of meal plans, 
making the SIBO food roadmap a breeze for both you and your clients. You're going to dive into exclusive video tutorials led by myself, offering insights, research-based knowledge, and practical strategies for exceptional results. Become a certified practitioner with prescribing rights, empowering you to guide your clients confidently. And guess what? As an affiliate, your prescription of the SIBO Food Roadmap will see you earn a generous 20% commission with each referral enrollment, and that's a win-win. Elevate your practice and make a lasting impact on your clients' lives. Sign up now using the code ROADMAP100, all in capitals, for a $100 discount. Head to our show note link now. Revolutionize your practice with the SIBO Food Roadmap and practitioner training. Some of our gut health patients get low iron levels because of poor nutrition, because of lack of appetite. And we know that a lot of people with IBS and SIBO can live on really restricted diets to manage symptoms. While dietary restrictions such as the low FODMAP diet can help to, uh, with symptom management, I'm a strong believer that we need to fix the underlying issues and work on diversifying your diet as quickly as possible. Not only will expanding your diet probably provide you more choices of iron-rich foods, it will also generally help to diversify your gut microbiome, which is a good thing for long-term gut health and long-term overall health. So another way that we can become iron deficient is through the loss of iron through blood loss, because blood contains iron within the red blood cells. So how might we be losing blood? Um, For menstruating women, it could be through heavy periods. And ironically, low iron can cause heavier periods. I think it's an evolutionary flaw. So when there are heavy periods, I'm always thinking about what's causing them. Is it hypothyroidism? Is it endometriosis, uterine fibroids? Does a woman have a bleeding disorder? So we definitely need to get to the underlying reason so we can prevent future heavy periods and future iron loss. There can be bleeding loss through peptic ulcer, through a colon polyp or through colorectal cancer. And this is one of the reasons why bleeding in your stool is a bit of a red flag symptom for which you should go and see your doctor just to get um, some further investigation to rule out some of those red flags. Gastrointestinal bleeding can also result from the use of regular over-the-counter pain relievers such as aspirin. Um, And gastrointestinal bleeding can also occur in more significant inflammatory bowel conditions such as Crohn's and ulcerative colitis. And many people with these conditions will report that when they're having a serious flare that there is a lot of blood in their stool. Um, Blood loss can occur after having a surgical procedure and, of course, there can be blood loss from childbirth. And just a quick aside to that, pregnancy is a very iron expensive life stage. So if you're pregnant, you'll pass 350 milligrams of iron to the fetus and the placenta. About 250 milligrams of iron is lost in blood at delivery and postpartum. And about 450 milligrams of iron is required for the large increase in the mother's red blood cell mass. 
she needs to expand the amount of red blood cells she has that they can be sent both through her body and through her babies. So this is why pregnant women have an increased requirement of iron of about 27 milligrams per day to maintain stores. And I think it's important to monitor iron levels in the postpartum stage and not just during pregnancy because of that loss that can occur during birth and in the postpartum bleeding. All right, another way we can become iron deficient is via exercise, via intense regular exercise. Athletes are prone to iron deficiency because regular exercise increases the body's need for iron in several ways. So the hard training promotes red blood cell production, which requires iron, and iron is also lost through sweating. So iron loss may result in daily losses of iron of one to two milligrams. Intense exercise is sometimes also associated with gastrointestinal bleeding. So we know that intense exercise can increase your intestinal permeability and cause like a leaky gut situation. And just an interesting aside, I've read some pretty cool research recently about mitigating the leaky gut effect in athletes. They did a study recently where they took a, I think it was a college football team who were training intensely and they were able to find that by feeding these athletes 40 grams of dark chocolate per day, this helped to mitigate the leaky gut or the increased intestinal permeability that came from the intense training. 40 grams of chocolate looks like half a bar of a lint chocolate, which is an 80 gram bar. So that's a significant amount of chocolate per day and good to know that chocolate can be medicine. Okay, back to iron. Let's talk a bit more about iron and the gut. So we can become iron deficient from not absorbing the iron that we eat, even if we're eating enough iron, so we think. So proton pump inhibitor medications or PPIs, some examples of these are omeprazole and esomeprazole or Nexium. These medications decrease stomach acid. So they're prescribed for people with reflux. I see them prescribed often just for people with tummy problems in general. I think doctors are like, this is something that we know that we can try. They significantly reduce stomach acid production and we know that we need stomach acid to solubilize iron so that it can get absorbed in the small intestine. So there's a strong link between people who've taken this medication for a while and low iron stores. There can be other ways that the gut can malabsorb iron. So we know in celiac disease, due to damage to the small intestine from gluten, Iron deficiency is a classic sign and often a um, sort of a gateway into how people can get diagnosed when they have low iron and then they supplement and then they have lower iron. That's when we know we need to investigate a bit more. Damage to the small intestine can also be present when there is SIBO. So microscopic damage and inflammation to the small intestinal gut wall reduces the capacity to absorb via the microvilli, so the the finger-like projections uh, which absorb nutrients. As well as iron, studies have shown that there are other nutrients that can be depleted in SIBO, likely secondary to this malabsorption, 
including vitamin B12 and the fat-soluble vitamins of vitamin A, vitamin D, vitamin E and vitamin K, as well as certain carbohydrates. We know that fructose malabsorption is really common when there is SIBO and lactose malabsorption can also be common or lactose intolerance. IBS or SIBO or inflammatory bowel diseases that cause diarrhea can also contribute to low iron or iron deficiency. We know that frequent diarrhea may not give your body enough time to absorb the iron from your food when things are just passing through too quickly for that absorption to occur. We also know that some species in the gut microbiome can consume iron. So one example of these are methanogens or archaea that can produce methane. So methanogens are able to use iron for energy and cell growth. And we know that when there's a condition called emo, there is methane overgrowth. And this is one of the reasons why supplementation can lead to constipation because emo or methane-producing microbes can disrupt normal bowel motility. So part of the reason why iron supplements can make you constipated is because of this increased methane production that can occur. That's one of the reasons why I'm really cautious about iron supplementation when there's known SIBO or EMO, because I'm cautious to feed the species in the small intestine. Having said that, sometimes we do see levels that are low enough that we do need supplementation. And we do that at the same time as addressing the troublesome species with probiotics and prebiotics and selective herbal antimicrobials. When supplementation is necessary, I choose the lowest effective dose of a well-absorbed form of iron, dosed as infrequently as I can to be effective and for a short period. So when I'm talking about a well-absorbed iron, I'm not talking about the ferrograd that a GP will probably prescribe. Um, better absorbed than that is the iron bisglycinate, or the, that's my choice of the best absorbed form of iron. When I'm talking about minimally dosing, studies have shown that when you dose every second day, the exact same dose compared with dosing that same amount every single day there is no significant difference in the outcomes. So why is this? Iron supplementation causes a rise in hepcidin levels, which can impede the absorption of further doses of iron and are associated with decreased iron absorption the next day. So if you're taking iron every day, you're constantly raising this hormone, preventing some iron absorption the next day. So this is why second daily dosing is now recommended by researchers and by a lot of naturopaths and even by some GPs now. Remember that the more unabsorbed free iron floating around the intestines, the more it can feed those microbial species such as the methane producers. And we also know that some pathogenic bacteria such as uh, salmonella and the pathogenic strain of E. coli are also capable of using free iron. We know that good gut bacteria species like the bacilli and bifidobacterium, they don't require a high portion of iron to grow and expand. So I like to supplement for about three months and then recheck via blood test to avoid unnecessary supplementation if possible. 
We can also use some gut-based strategies to increase iron absorption as well. And one of these is by using a probiotic strain called Lactobacillus plantarum 299V. So when this is taken alongside iron supplements, it's been shown to increase iron levels faster than when people take the supplement without uh, the probiotic. So some prebiotics can also help with iron absorption. However, I'd encourage you to work with a practitioner to find out which is the most appropriate prebiotic to take at the most appropriate time in your wellness timeline. Because some prebiotics, such as inulin, for example, which can help with iron absorption, are not appropriate for all stages. So I wouldn't give inulin to someone who had emo or intestinal methane overgrowth because this probiotic can feed methane-producing species in the gut. Some people's iron stores are so low that their doctors will recommend an iron infusion. And this can be a good solution for some to boost their iron stores, bypassing the gut altogether, avoiding gut side effects and avoiding that exposure of the microbiome to any free iron. I have seen many patients who've had iron infusions and only one patient has reported back that she'd experienced some side effects. She got some flu-like symptoms for a few days and it turns out that she got hypophosphatemia or low phosphate levels in her blood. Before getting an iron infusion, it's a good idea to have a comprehensive blood test vitamin D deficiency, low calcium levels or low phosphate levels or raised parathyroid hormone levels can be risk factors to this hypophosphatemia. So you can get these checked out and corrected, hopefully, before you have an IV iron infusion. To summarise, the link between gut health, including conditions like IBS and SIBO, and iron status is multifaceted. People with gut disorders often have impaired iron absorption due to reasons such as restrictive dietary patterns or poor appetite, altered gut microbiota composition, so the gut bugs, and compromised gut wall integrity. Gut dysbiosis and intestinal inflammation, which is associated with conditions like IBS, SIBO and IBD, can disrupt iron metabolism, another contributor to the iron deficiency anemia. And additionally, microbleeding that these disorders can have, um, and for some other reasons in the gastrointestinal tract, these can further exacerbate iron deficiency. Proactive management of gut health, which is what we're all about with the Nourish Gut Method, and targeted interventions such as dietary modifications and probiotic supplementation can help to diminish these iron problems. And if you would like some help with managing your gut health issues via the comprehensive Nourish Gut Method, head to the show notes where you can find out how you can work with us. Thank you for listening and I'll chat with you in the next episode. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Nourish Gut. If you've enjoyed today's deep dive into gut health or found value in our discussions, please consider subscribing, leaving a review or sharing with a friend who could use a little digestive support. Remember, your gut is not just a digestion centre, but a core part of your overall well-being. If you have specific topics you'd like us to cover or even just a question you'd like us to answer, 
feel free to reach out. You can find us over on Instagram at Carly Raven Naturopath or even drop us an email at hello at carlyraven.com. And before we go, a big thank you to you, our incredible community and our dedicated listeners. Your journey to butter gut health inspires us every single day. Stay tuned for more insightful episodes. And until next time, take care of your gut, nourish your body and embrace the amazing journey to a healthier, happier you.